Second Peter chapter 1. Are we ready to go at the back? Very well. I, uh, I welcome everyone listening to us on the internet. You have to forgive my voice today. A little croaky, but this is um, something I really want to convey today. I feel very passionate about this today. Um, it's a topic, I guess, I'm talking about guidance. My title is Principles and Promptings. And over the years, just, just take a moment and just listen to me for a minute. Over the years, as, as a leader, as a pastor, a counselor, teacher, I've chatted with so many people. You do when you're in the ministry, of course, you chat with so many people. And people make so many mistakes about the will of God, and they don't know what God is saying to them. Am I in his will? Should I do this? Should I do that? And the problem I have when I talk to people who have that problem is that I don't have that problem. So uh, it's one thing, you know, if you're ill and you talk to another person who's ill, then you kind of know how each other is feeling. (laughs) But I've never, for a long time, had a problem with the will of God in my life. Never had a problem with it. Since I made a decision to, to kind of live by the principles that I'm going to share today. So I, I hope that what I'm going to say today will really help you way beyond tickling your ears this morning. I hope that for some here, you might be able to take what I'm going to say and actually apply it, not just to your life, but to apply it to the rest of your life. Um, in Second Peter 1, verses 16 to 21, that's what we're going to read. Peter says this, We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Just let me interrupt. What he's describing here is he's describing the occasion recorded in the Gospels when himself, Peter, and James and John went up a mountain And Jesus was transfigured in front of them. His clothes became like lightning and he shone like the sun. And and a voice came from heaven and said, this is my son. You know, listen to him. You probably remember the story. Years later, Peter is recounting this. And this is the account. So when he's talking here about, in verse 16, about being eyewitnesses of his majesty, that's what he's talking about. Because he goes on to say, you see, verse 17, For he, that's Jesus, received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love with him I am well pleased. And that's from Matthew 17, Mark 9, or Luke 9. Verse 18. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven. 
when we were with him on the sacred mountain. And verse 19, we have the word of the prophets made more certain. And you will do well to pay attention to it as a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Okay. Whether you noticed it or not, in this passage we just read, Peter reflects on two different ways in which he heard the voice of the Lord. Two different ways. The first way was he's telling us a story about how he was on the mountain. And there's a voice came out of the sky. That's pretty good. That was a good meeting to attend. The second way that he speaks about how he had in his life heard the voice of God, was he speaks about the prophecy of the Scripture. In the King James Version, it says, we have the more sure word of prophecy. And then he goes on to talk about how the the people who wrote the Scriptures didn't write them of their own accord, but they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. It's a lovely uh, nautical uh, metaphor, a sailing metaphor. It means, it's like the wind that blows into a sail. They were, they didn't do what they what they were carried along, like a sail opening up and the wind blowing in it and blowing them along. So they didn't write what they wanted to write. They wrote what God told them to write, what God inspired them to write. So there were immediately in his thinking, just in those few verses, two ways to hear. From God. One, in a miraculous way, a prompting. I'm going to call it that today. A prompting. And the other way to hear from God was to simply read, in his case, listen to, because they didn't all have a copy, didn't all have a Bible, of course. But let's put it in our language and our use today. To to read the Bible. One is the way that God speaks to you from a in some mysterious way, miraculous way. And another way is by reading the Bible. Now, I want to talk about these two ways of, uh, of hearing from God today. And I hope it will really help you. Let's just move this on. The first way, a miraculous encounter. Now, it's exciting. It's dynamic. Absolutely. And if you're driving home today and you're just going on to the A14... And suddenly the clouds open and a booming voice speaks out of the clouds. Absolutely, that's marvelous. But I don't know about you, but it doesn't often happen to me. It doesn't often happen to me. And let me just tell you something. It didn't often happen to the people in the Bible either. <laughs> it didn't often happen to the people in the Bible either. In terms of those mysterious voices from God, you know, God the Father talking from the clouds or talking in some mysterious, amazing way. In the life of Jesus, 
Jesus now, it only happened three times in his whole life. So in 33 years, it happened three times. It's an average of once every 11 years. Right. So uh, I'm saying that because I've met a few charismatic people who claim to hear from God like this once every 11 days. And most of them are frustrated because they really want to hear this once every 11 minutes. So it's exciting, it's dynamic to have a miraculous encounter. It's exciting to be in a crowded congregation and have a prophet pull you out to the front and give you a word. It's exciting. It's exciting to be sitting on a rock and to see the, see the sky and see the countryside and get a kind of, an, oh, God wants me to do this. You know, these things are sort of exciting. But let me warn you about these things. They are obviously, as I've kind of put here in the notes, they are open to the most incredible misunderstanding and emotional interference. Let me deal with the first one. or Let me deal with the latter first. Sometimes, when you want God to speak to you, you will stop at nothing to interpret any sign as a sign from God. Am I correct? Yes. Yes. You are wondering to yourself, shall I marry Richard? And as you're driving around, a truck comes in front of you, and right on the back it says, keep your distance. Ooh, I'm not marrying Richard now. You know, poor bloke. Uh, uh, if only another truck had been there and you would have. So all kind, when you want to hear from God, if you're praying about, listen, just, I really want to unpack, I really want to help you. I really want to help you. If you're really desperate to hear from God and you want God to give you that job or something like this. You really want him to give you that job. All you have to hear a preacher say or a prophetic person say is, God is going to bless you and you interpret that, that you're going to get the job. And then you go on Monday, you have the interview, they don't give you the job because you were never supposed to have it. And then you come out of it confused about whether God speaks today or not and, and whether, you know, he, he, whether the prophet was anointed or not. And, and, and it was really just because you were open to the, that emotional interference, as I'll call it, that blurred what you heard and turned it into what you wanted to hear. Or if you're paranoid, what you didn't want to hear. Think about that. The other thing is, it's open to the most incredible misunderstanding. That you can find yourself on a track because someone said something to you. You know, oh, I really believe God is going to use you among the Chinese. And you oh, this is it. And, you know, you're going to every Chinese takeaway in Cambridge. Is it here? While I'm here, I'll have the sweet and sour balls. While I'm waiting on God. These kinds of things, you know, 
winds blowing in the air, things you hear. You just flicked on God TV and someone comes on, there's someone out there listening to me now. And God's going to give you money today. Oh, it must be me. Never mind the fact that there's four million viewers. It must be me. Never mind the fact that what you're watching was recorded in 1982. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Now listen, but God does do it, you see. The Holy Spirit does speak. He does break into our lives and talk to us. He does do it. The issue is, does God speak to me when I want him to speak to me? Or does he more often speak to me when I'm not expecting it? And in my experience, it's the latter. Anyway. So that's the first way. Now, in Peter's case... In this particular instance, of course, this was a pretty infallible encounter with God. He was with Jesus. He's on the mountain. It was amazing. But, you know, some of the language I hear in church sometimes, God spoke to me and told me to do this. And if you sat in the, in the crowd, and I'm often sitting there thinking, well, God never spoke to me about nothing. That person must be really spiritual. Because I never heard God talk to me. Never. And then the next person comes out and testifies, well, God just told me to go to Kansas. Where you? Well, God just told me that I was to sell my car. And uh, I think, well, God never spoke to me. But what we don't know is, what they really mean is, they got behind a truck that said, keep your distance. They interpreted it that way. Mm-hmm. So God does talk. My sheep know my voice. And I want to unpack that, that thought. My sheep do know my voice. The issue is how we can tune ourselves in to be sure that we really are hearing from God. Peter's experience was pretty infallible, but most of ours are not. Most of our experiences are not infallible. We have to check them out. And if I dare, can I dare say this? Most of the time that we have a story about how we heard from God, if we really shared it with a friend and told them everything, warts and all, maybe it wouldn't sound so authentic to us, to to our friend, and therefore to us. Let me go on to, to, to another one. By reading the scripture, Peter says, we have the the word of the prophets, we have the scripture Written down, men spoke from God, carried along by the Holy Spirit. Here is another way to hear from God. Now, 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 listen. This is also capable of being misread. Uh, It's also capable of being mistaught. Which I didn't realize was a real word until I googled it this week. But it is described as the more sure word. Now, let me tell you immediately what I don't mean. This is what I don't mean when I say uh, it's more sure to hear from the Scripture. This is what I don't mean. Lord, please talk to me today. (laughs) That's not what I mean. That's not what I mean. 
I don't mean sitting in a darkened room and saying, Lord, tell me the chapter. What's coming to me? Corinthians. Corinthians. Yes, it's, it's, it's Corinthians. Now, Lord, what number? Tell me. The fact that God, because God will only tell you in little bits. Lord, please tell me the number. Ooh, ooh, eight. It's eight. Mmm. Verse, verse 11. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, yes. Corinthians 8. 11. So you go, 1 Corinthians 8, 11. It's all about meat offered to idols. You're thinking, well, I have no plan to be a vegetarian. So, oh, it must be 2 Corinthians 8, 11. Then you get to that, and that chapter is about money. You think, now, Lord, speak to me again. When you're desperate to hear from God, you'll do this. You will do that. You will. And you think, well, maybe I was wrong doing that. Maybe, maybe the Lord got it a page wrong. Ooh. That's not what I mean. Let me be a bit more controversial. Because we all probably agree with that. But here's something else. What I don't mean. I don't mean that God will... Now, in this... What I'm about to tell you does happen. God does do it. But this is not what I mean in this particular case here. Where in your daily reading, something is highlighted to you. A verse jumps out and talks to you. I, uh, I know that that does happen. I believe in that. I believe it happens. I believe God uses that. I remember sitting on a train reading one of the Timothy epistles years ago and God calling me into the ministry in that very way. But what I'm talking about today, when I talk about the scripture, I'm not talking about a single verse of scripture that leaps out at you and speaks to you. Because, can I just, can I say it as it is? Shall I, shall I say it as it is? All right. You remember, you asked me. <laughs> that there's a real danger that we can turn the Bible, that, please forgive me, but I'm going to tell you the truth. There's a real danger to turn the Bible into an alternative to your astrology column. Where instead of going to your astrology column, which I hope you don't, by the way, because it's full of demonic um, undertones. Amen? Yeah. A lot of, of course, people are just writing nonsense. But it has its roots in 12 gods uh, of, a, of a pagan world. That's why there are 12 star signs. They are gods. Pagan gods. That there's a real danger to turn reading the Bible for some information Really, it's not much different to you turning to, you know, Justin Topper's star sign column in the sun. It's, it's not much different. In, in terms of your motivation, is I've, I've got to get a word. I've got, to get a, I've, I've got to know what I've got to do. And having words leap out at you. I'm not talking about that today, although I believe God can do that. 
What I'm talking about is that we live our life, listen now, by the principles of the wisdom of the Scripture. The principles of the wisdom of the Scripture. The Bible is not designed as a book for you to get a word. The Bible is intended to be read from cover to cover, right? Not this bit or that bit, but from cover to cover and to be obeyed from cover to cover and it's wisdom to be drawn from cover to cover. Not, oh, just a word, what Lord, Psalm, what Psalm, Lord, tell me. No. Because you're going to get emotional interference, misunderstanding. And of course, as I've said here, people are capable of teaching the Bible wrongly too. So this is an infallible way. But if you want God to speak into your life, you must know the Scriptures, not just your word for today. And that's a tall order, actually. Because probably, let me take the shame out of this straight away in case you're thinking it's just you, but probably the person next to you hasn't read the Bible from cover to cover either. So just relax. You're in a room full of people who haven't read the Bible from cover to cover. But, the, but in a sense, that's, I'm not trying to drive us onto a Bible reading program today. What I'm talking about is the wisdom of the Scripture should be applied to, the, to, to give us wisdom for our lives. Not just little words here and there and here. I'm talking about the whole thing. Now, we could describe listening to the Spirit or having some miraculous encounter as living by promptings. Whereas following the written word is living by principles. Let me explain that. I wish I could say this simpler, but I, I can't find a way to say it simpler. One Christian lives their life by promptings. God, what do you want me to do today? Now, here's the answer. He wants you to do what you should have done yesterday. But, Lord, what do you want me to do today? I, I'm often uh, amused by the fact that people who are wanting more words from God... If God really came down in a fire and spoke to you, this is what he'd say. He'd say, why don't you get on with doing what I told you to do in 1989? <laughs> I'm still waiting for you to go do that. <laughs> no fresh information. <laughs> no new news. Amen. <laughs> right. So, the Apostle Paul did not wake up every day and think to himself, what does God want me to do today? Does he want me to be nice to Barnabas today or not? Can I be rude to Timothy today or not? Lord, what do you want me to do? I think I preach better when I'm ill. I do. <laughs> the Apostle Paul lived his life by a principle. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So he did. He was guided and prompted in a certain direction within that call, which was to go and preach to the Gentile people in a particular way. 
So he had the Great Commission and he had a slight, uh, his own take on it that God had given him. But the Apostle Paul leapt out of bed each morning, uh, whether he was even in a bed, he spent a lot of his time in a dungeon. But he jumped up each morning with this determination, I'm going to obey the commands of the Bible. He didn't wait for the angel Gabriel to come down and talk to him. He didn't wait for the Holy Spirit to talk to him. He just went and got on with it. Because he already had the word of God inside his heart to do. He lived by principle, not by prompting. Now we'll see later that the Holy Spirit did come and prompt him from time to time. And I want to unpack that in a bit. But his life was based on principles, not on promptings. People say, well, you know, I don't want to just read the Bible. I want to be guided by the Spirit. I want to be guided by the Spirit. I just want to ask a question today. Who do you think wrote the Bible? Who wrote the Bible? Peter tells us the prophets did not write of their own accord. No. They wrote as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. If you want to be a person full of the Holy Spirit, then live your life by the Bible. Don't live your life by the nearest truck coming in front of your car. Don't live your life by flicking through as many Christian TV channels as you possibly can so one of the preachers will talk to you. You already have the NIV on your shelf. Go read it. And then you don't have to have anyone send you no green hankies or nothing. Amen. I'm going to send for one of those hankies one day. I'm going to blow my nose on it. I'm going to send it back. I am. Well, really. Holy water and manna from Israel. Give me a Pentecostal break. Thank God he's using it, but that's not, what he, that's not what God's wanting to do. Now, let me give you a few examples. Let me unpack this with a few examples of what I mean by principled living. Living by principles, not by promptings. Some examples of decisions that may require scripture principles and occasionally the promptings of the Holy Spirit. So let's just have a bit of fun with like a few of these. Number one. Okay, who shall I marry? Now, if you are, if you are married already, you don't really have to follow this uh, part of this message. But here's a, here's a thought. Lord, who shall I marry? What are you waiting on to know who you should marry? What are you waiting on? And some will say, well, I'm waiting on God to tell me. Well, okay, well, that's wonderful. But can I just warn you that God already told you that you were going to marry two other people and you didn't. And so maybe that's not the best way. Not too many amens there, but it's probably true. Well, God told me I was going to marry him. Oh, uh, God has uh, changed his mind. Uh, it's not him. Because I just met his mother. What are you waiting on? Okay, well, getting married is a little different because you have to wait for someone to come along, I guess. So that's 
bit of a detail, I appreciate. But if you are in a relationship with someone, you want to know, is this the person I should marry? Why don't you check out their life according to the word of God? Rather than waiting on a prophet to say, you should marry Tom. Because Tom probably paid the prophet anyway. And if he doesn't like you, he'll pay him to say, you should not marry Tom. The word of God has innumerable things, innumerable things to say about choosing your friends very carefully. I've said this a thousand times in this building probably. I've said it to a white wall. I've said it to a wooden brown wall. That one of the most important things you must do in your life is you must choose your friends with the utmost of care. Because if you don't, you will become like those people that you hang around with. And I, 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 I could I preach forever on that. People think, no, 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 I'll be all right. But lots of people are just simply not all right. And we are affected by the people around us all the time. So you're going to marry someone, you're going to need to know that they have a godly character. You don't need a prophet to tell you if they have a godly character or not. You'll be able to tell, sweetheart, on the first date, actually. Amen. You will. You will. You'll be able to tell if how they appear in church is how they really are. You'll know that. You're going to know that. So if you're going to choose someone to marry, you don't, you don't need a word. You don't need a word. You don't need a word from God. You need to open your eyes, open your ears, and compare that person's life with the Scripture. Is this person a man or a woman of God? Now, everyone falls short. Everyone falls short. If you're looking for someone... Like Jesus, may I suggest that you remain a virgin until he comes. Because men are not all like Jesus. I am pretty close, but most men aren't. And there's a few men here, you know, we are, we are pretty close. I preach better when I'm ill. You don't need a word. You just need to apply principles. Is this person going to be a good father? Do I like being with them? That's a good one. Because I'm going to be like them. Okay, so it's, it's, it's a principle. Should I change my job? I, I'm thinking about changing my job. Should I do it? Well, is your job making you miserable? Maybe you should. Mind you, I guess that would be all of us. But you know... Uh, uh, do I need God to tell me to change my job? I'm offered a promotion. Should I take it? Well, if you are a lover of money, maybe you should think, is, am I being motivated here by God or by mammon? I don't know. Let me just check that out in my spirit. So you might need to do a bit of self-diagnostic, you know, on that. But by and large, if someone offers you a, a, a promotion... You've got to think to yourself, okay, can I cope with that promotion? Is that going to put undue stress on me, on my family? Is the paycheck increase worth the stress on my shoulders? All those sorts of things. Right? You don't, you, you don't, need, don't need Brother Dingling to come in and go, behold, 
Thou shalt take that. You don't need a cloud to open and tell you. The job is going to take me. I'm here in the center of Cambridge enjoying life in ministry. And this job's going to take me to Stoke-on-Trent. I'm going to ask all sorts of questions. Is there a church there? Is there a place where I can minister there? Is God calling me to go? You know, those sorts of questions. And some of these questions, they don't require an angel to come and talk to you. You've actually got that you can go and research the answers. You want to know, should I take the promotion? Look at the guy who's just leaving. Amen. I had a pastor phone me this week. I won't tell you where it is, but a pastor phoned me. He said, I'm having a miserable time in the church. Miserable. He said, I just found out that the pastor before me left because he hated it here. I thought he just left. He left because he hated it here. I wanted to say to him, shouldn't you have found that out before you came? You didn't need God to tell you. You just have to do the research. Well, there's a whole lot of other things. Uh, Did you move house? Is that the next one here? Yeah, you know, all those things. It's, it's, it's this, if by moving house, will I be able to afford it? The Bible says that you shouldn't build a tower unless you can afford to finish it. The Bible says that you shouldn't go, uh, 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 in, in, in the whole context of that, you shouldn't go and attack another man's nation. I don't suppose any of us are planning to do that, but unless you know you can, you know, finish the job. So don't buy a house you can't afford. That's not the will of God, is it? I know none of us can afford any houses, but you know, you can look at your mathematics. You can see, you don't need God to tell you. You just have to look in the wisdom of the scripture. That tells you that you must put God first. That as long as God is first, really God doesn't really care where you live, you know. What God's interested in is not where you live, it's where your heart's living. Oh well. What about it? I've been hurt and offended. What shall I do? Lord, do you want me to kill them? (laughs) No. No. But but we, we get offended, you know. What do I do? Well, you know what to do. You've you've got the Bible. You know what to do. You don't need to hear anyone preach about it. You don't need to, it doesn't have to be in your word for today. You know what to do. Love, bless, forgive, move on. You don't need anything else. By the way, if you did need it, I just prophesied it. Is that, is that better? Is that more exciting? But it's in the Bible. It's just in the Bible. Live like Jesus lived. Live like Jesus lived. And, and then, you, since you're living by principle, not by prompting. So you know what to do. I think I got one more. I can't remember what it is. What church shall I join? Wow. Oh, well. Boy, oh boy. <laughs> someone, just for the internet, someone just shouted out Kings. I put my hand in my pocket, withdrew a five pound note, and handed it over. <laughs> no, but you know, 
By the way, some people treat what church they should join as the most incidental thing in their life. What? 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 How bizarre. Some people decide which church to join on the basis of the fact that it's nearer to their home. Now listen, if you're infirm, absolutely. Maybe you do need to think like that. But most people will drive all week uh, to go to work and to, you know, to do stuff. But on Sunday, they want to go somewhere that's near their home. What on earth? What on earth? What on earth? I've been offered a job as head of the, you know, I've been, head, I've been offered the job of head of head of the Grafton Center. Hallelujah. 62,000 pounds a year. But I've decided to work at the pet shop at the end of the street because it's nearer. No one thinks like that. Do they? Oh, well, maybe you do. Behold, thou shalt work at the pet shop and minister unto the creatures. Let's say something here. Of course, within the framework of all these things, within the framework of all these things, there's room, listen now, to be prompted by the Lord. There's room, and I'll unpack this next week. We run out of time now. But there's room for God to actually, not to, he'll never break his word, never. But there is room for God to speak to us, to say, do you know what? I don't want you to take that Grafton job. Your blood pressure is sky high. You're not seeing your family. And maybe it's better for you to work at the pet shop. Or God can come and blow into our lives and say to us, do you know what? I've worked for you down at that shop because you're going to meet people on a daily basis. You're going to build relationships. with. That's where you should be. Forsake your love of, of the salary and serve me there. You know, there's, there's room for that, isn't there? Right. There's room for that. And that's a prompting. And God can do that. But really, throughout my life, what I've tended to do is pray about decisions. And then unless God speaks to me to the contrary, what I do is I just do what is so obvious in front of me for me to do. And once I've made that decision, let me throw this out as well, which may help maybe a couple of people here. I don't look back and think, oh dear. Did I miss the will of God there? Should I be selling hamsters right now? Or not? Don't look back. And I'll tell you why I don't look back. Because I believe God is big enough to find me where I am and to get me back on track. Amen. That's really important for us to know. I think some people think of the will of God as like some sort of maze. And if they take one wrong turn, that is it. 
I'll never get back. I want to tell you, everyone who loves God will get on the road that he wants them on. Because he is more passionate about you doing his will than you are. The will of God is not a maze. It's not a map. It's a compass anyway. But that's, that's another message really. Let me just finish with this thought here. The prompting of the Spirit will of course never contradict the principles of the Scripture. They will never contradict the principles of Scripture. I once sat with a lady. Forgive me telling you this story. I'm going to finish with this. I once sat with a lady, a godly lady. And she was falling out with her husband a lot. He wasn't a believer. She was a pretty passionate believer in Jesus. She wanted to be a disciple of Jesus. And they were falling out a lot. And she sat with me one day. Now, he wasn't hitting her. You know, it wasn't an abusive. He, they just didn't really get on. And she said to me, she said, I believe God has told me that I am to get a divorce from him. And this is what I mean when I talk about how sometimes when we want to hear God, we, we, we create a God in our own image and he sends us messages we want to hear, you know. And we throw in, and I'm not, I'm not making fun of this lady at all because she's hurting. She's hurting. Oh, this is many years ago. Uh, but into her hurt, she, she wove, if you like, a word from God that would get her out of it. And she wove this word, divorce him, divorce him, divorce. And that, it, was, it was her heart, it wasn't the Holy Ghost. It was her heart, wasn't it? And I'm not making fun of her. She was it's really difficult. She was heartbroken, you know. But I had to tell I had to tell God's not telling you that. He's not telling you that because God will not break his word. He will not break his word. And that's why if you and I'm going to carry this on next week. I'm I've, I'm out of time so I'm going to stop. But that's why if you're going to be someone who's going to be prompted by the Holy Spirit, if that's what you're going to be. And I want us to be people like that. So I'm not making fun of it. But let me tell you this. If you're going to be someone who's going to be prompted by the Spirit, you're going to have to need to know the Bible really well. So that when the Spirit prompts you, you can say, this is the voice of God. Because the direction I am receiving now is in accordance with the character of the will and the ways of God as revealed in the Bible. Otherwise, you're just blown here and there by, by your emotional makeup that says, I want to do this, I want to do that. And it may not be God at all. Let's stand.